0: The Politocrat is brought to you by the great people at Anchor. Anchor is such a great place to go if you want to get started in podcasting and it's easy and it's free. Anchor, marvellous stuff, marvellous. And I'm so grateful to the folks at Anchor for getting me going with The Politocrat. If you want to get going and be heard on Apple, on Spotify and everywhere podcasts can be, Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Yesterday about 5 p.m. we had a command staff level conference call with the boots on the ground agents here in Glenn County and we were advised at the command staff uh, conference call that they had established, uh, the facts had established sufficient probable cause to seek arrest warrants against both Greg and Travis McMichael for felony murder and aggravated assault. Uh, that was certainly uh, agreed to by the command staff individuals, including all the way up to and including myself, those agents. Then immediately yesterday evening, sometime around the six o'clock hour or so, began securing the warrants uh, through the assistance of a Spearport judge in the Glen County area, uh, those warrants were secured. They went, went, uh, came back to their command center staff and began putting together a plan of operation to effectuate the arrest. At about 7.45, that was, in fact, done yesterday evening without any incident. No one was hurt, and neither the defendants nor any of the agents. And so that was done properly and safely, and we we're very thankful of that. Those individuals were then turned over to the Glenn County Sheriff's Department and have been placed in custody at that particular jail. So that's where we're at today.
0: Happy birthday, Ahmad Arbery. Today, Friday, May the eighth, two thousand and twenty, is the twenty-sixth birthday of Ahmad Aubrey, who was killed more than two months ago by Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael, both of them. Were arrested yesterday, and you just heard Vic Reynolds, the director of the Georgia Bureau of Investigations, from a press conference that he did today. Was this a birthday present of sorts for Ahmad? Aubrey? I can't say that it was. These killers should have been arrested months ago. Welcome to another edition of The Politocrat on this Friday, May the 8th, 2020. I'm Omar Moore. And quite frankly, the reason why these arrests were made were two things. One, a defense attorney in Brunswick in Georgia decided, I'm going to release this video to a radio station, which is what he did. And once that radio station got wind of it, I think put it on social media, that was the beginning of the process. The other part of this was you and me and all the people in Glynn County, Georgia, who were out in the streets or who were on social media or who were elsewhere in a public forum of some kind, making sure that our voices were heard, and making sure that we never let up, calling for these arrests. The Glynn County District Attorney should have arrested Travis McMichael and his father, Gregory McMichael, back in February. Of this year should have arrested them on February twenty-third of this year, when they murdered, executed Ahmad Arbery. But they didn't. They didn't do that. And because they didn't do that, I would argue, and I do argue, that the Glynn County District Attorney's Office should not be anywhere near prosecuting. These two thugs, and quite frankly, a third thug who is on the loose, named Brian Williams. He's the one who had shot this video that millions of people have seen and that I will never watch. I, along with many others, including, most importantly, Wanda Cooper, the mother of Ahmad Aubrey. I run with Maud and I think you do too. Walk with him, run with him today for 2.23 miles if you can. 23rd of February 2020 was the date he was executed. So the 2.23 miles is a reflection of that date. If you can walk 2.23 miles today. That would be great. If you can run it. That would be great. But whatever you do. Whether it's run or walk. Think of Aubrey, Think of his mother. Think of the Aubrey family. And think of all of the. Black men and women. Boys and girls. As well as members of the Latinx community, members of the transgendered, black transgendered community who are slaughtered, who are murdered in America and beyond. Ahmad Arbery was me and you. He lived life he cherished life, he was life, and that life was taken from him. In the most cruel, inhumane, unjust, and criminal manner. So today is a day of mourning, but it's also a day of celebration in the sense that this is Ahmad Aubrey's birthday. 26 years old he would have been today. It's heartbreaking that he's not here. And his mother, Wanda Cooper, has been living with that heartbreak for more than two months. I'll be back in a moment with a few more thoughts on... Ahmad Aubrey on this investigation and where this must ultimately lead. I'll be right back.
1: Right
2: while I was coming over, I missed part of that question. Yes. Well, of course, the uh, charges that have been, uh, secured and, and, uh, against the defendants at this point, that was, uh, of course, arrived at through me and so forth myself and the GBI. Uh, my investigator has been working on the case also. So, uh, uh, but yes, to answer your question, yes, I will be the one prosecuting the case. And let me, if I might, follow up on a question that was asked earlier. Um, and and Vic had, had just uh, finished, I guess, <laughs> responding to. Uh, and that is, you know, in a perfect world, you know, the earlier your involvement, of course, the better. Okay? Uh, as y'all probably know from my prior release, I was only asked to come into the case on uh, April 14th, I believe it was. So I didn't get the case until then either. Uh, so we we take we take it, you know, what we're given, and we go from there, and go back and, and uh, re- look at what has been done, and then go ahead uh, forward. At which, as you noted, has led up to these investigate these uh, arrests. Uh, last evening, um, I will say, and I believe uh, there was another question uh, as far as the uh, GBI's involvement and so forth. I will say this: um, that there were and continues to be some new developments in the case. Okay, and the GBI and, and my thanks to the uh, GBI. Uh, for their involvement and their, their response and, 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 and helping me, okay? Uh, and that, uh, there, there were some new developments and I can't go into, um, at this time, but.
0: Welcome back. Welcome back to The Politocrat. The voice you just heard was that of Glynn County District Attorney Tom Denton. He is the third district attorney of Glynn County to have been involved with this murder case. The previous two district attorneys in the county recused themselves and said, I am not touching this. I'm out. And those two prosecutors have gone. Now, Tom Denton has stepped in as the Glynn County District Attorney. He is the next person. And as you heard there, he is prosecuting the case himself. I don't have any confidence in him. Just by watching him at this press conference that was held today, just by listening to him, I must admit to you, That I am very concerned. Now I have not researched. Full disclosure. Tom Denton. I have not researched his track record as a prosecutor. I am only going by what I saw. During this 24 minute press conference. And what I saw was somebody who. Does not inspire confidence. I don't know what kind of prosecutor he is, but I must admit to you that I am concerned. And for the record, the two McMichaels, Gregory and Travis McMichael, have been charged, in case you didn't hear it earlier, with felony murder and aggravated assault. Felony murder and aggravated assault. There is no hate crime statute in Georgia. Georgia is one of, I believe, four or five states in the country where there is no statute on the books for hate crimes. Well, that's got to change. That has to change. And obviously it gets changed through the state legislature. And for those of you living in Georgia who are listening to this, My advice to you would be to make sure that you vote in a Democratic state legislature down there. Because as far as I know, the Georgia legislature is Republican dominated. If I'm wrong about that, somebody can tweet me at the popcorn R E E L and let me know. But from from the best of my knowledge, the Georgia state legislature is Republican controlled. I've got to tell you that the state legislatures is where the power is. I spoke as some of you who listened to the episode or who may have listened to yesterday's episode of this podcast know to Susan Demas, who is the editor in chief of the Michigan Advance, which is a publication in the state of Michigan. And one of the things that That we talked about in that episode yesterday. Was the state legislature in Michigan. The Republican controlled state legislature. Which was doing everything in its power. To curb the power of the Democratic governor. Gretchen Whitmer. In the state of Michigan. And what we have to do. Is vote these legislatures out. When they are coming up for re-election. Vote these individuals out. So that you can get the changes that benefit you and not the changes that benefit 1% of the population. Namely the richest 1% of the population. We cannot continue this kind of madness. And when you have states that don't have hate crime statutes on the books. Are you kidding me? I mean this is something that we cannot do anymore in this country. We've got to get wise and we must educate each other and ourselves and get educated about these legislatures because people might think that they are insignificant, but they're not. They are not. So as you heard in the audio, the first piece of audio, the arrests were made last night. By the Georgia Bureau of Investigations. The, that's the Georgia. Office of the FBI. And I really wish that. The guy that you heard at the beginning that I played. To start off with. Start this episode off with. Vic Reynolds. I wish he was prosecuting the case. By the way he was a former prosecutor. He was a prosecutor in his time. Before He went over to the investigative side it's usually the other way around usually if there is a transfer at all it's normally from the investigative side to the prosecutorial side he did it in reverse he went from being a prosecutor to being an investigator and you could just tell he radiates confidence he radiates stature and uh, This particular murder case is one where stature is going to be required, where we are going to have to continue to pressure the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the Glynn County District Attorney, and any other entity, whether it's the feds coming in to do the prosecution or a special prosecutor, which is what I argue, we need to pressure them. To do the right thing. And I think Vic Reynolds at least from this press conference. And again I've not studied his prosecutorial record either. But Vic Reynolds comes across to me as somebody with stature. You can watch the, the press conference. It's it's um, on on the uh, online. It's all over YouTube. You know you can go find it at the PBS NewsHour on Twitter. Their handle is at News Hour. And you'll find that on their their Twitter page for Friday, May the 8th, 2020. Watch that press conference. It's on YouTube as well. And watch Vic Reynolds. He is a white male and he is bald-headed. And you will be able to tell from the first 10 seconds that you see him and listen to him speak. That he is someone who has an authority about him. A gravitas about him. We can't have prosecutors walking into courtrooms or grand juries. And sounding the way. Let's be honest. Sounding. Very shy or timid. The way I think. That Tom Denton sounds. You heard the audio I played for Tom Denton, the Glynn County District Attorney. And he sounds very much like a person who does not inspire that kind of confidence. He doesn't have that stature. I'm very concerned. Maybe my concern is premature. Maybe it it will be unfounded. But we've got to keep the pressure on to make sure that we get justice. We will shape this if it wasn't for the defense attorney who released the video, and if it wasn't for the people in the streets going to Glynn County or people in Glynn County who were in Brunswick, who went to the neighborhood of these two killers, we would not be here right now. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation would not be arresting these two men, these two murderers. But you and I both know That if these two murderers were black men, and if the person that they killed was a white jogger, they would not only have been arrested on the spot on February the 23rd, 2020, they would have been killed. Ahmad. Arbery should be enjoying his 26th birthday. Perhaps he is right now. Perhaps he is enjoying his 26th birthday. I hope the angels are treating him well. Meanwhile, the rest of us down here well, we've got an awful lot of work to do. Welcome back. I do express concern about this case and I do worry about Glynn County... And it's district attorney's office. I really do believe that we must have an independent prosecutor, a special prosecutor, prosecute this case. I don't think that the Glenn County district attorney's office can properly prosecute this case when at least two of the prosecutors in. Its offices have had to recuse themselves. The DA's have had to acu- recuse themselves from participating in this case. I I don't know how much confidence anyone who is following this case can possibly have. And then this third prosecutor who does not inspire confidence, at least for me. Maybe when you listen to that last voice that I played a few minutes ago, you might see it very differently. You might think very differently about it. But as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a shred of confidence in Glen County District Attorney Tom Denton. Nonetheless, the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, within 24, make that 48 hours arrested these two killers, these two executioners. I have more confidence in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, quite frankly, and that's saying a lot when you consider the history of the FBI and these officers with the way they deal and the way they deal with black people and that history that they've had is not been a pretty one for black people for sure. When it comes to the FBI or anything when it relates to law enforcement at all. To say the least. I, I, I have more confidence in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation than I do in any notion of the Glynn County District Attorney doing the right thing and doing what we all know he must do, which is deliver not just indictments, not just a trial, but a full-blown conviction of these two men. And why? The by the way. While I'm talking about that. This third man Brian Williams. This guy has absolutely. Got to be found. And arrested. This third man. Must be arrested. Brian Williams. The press conference. That I've been alluding to. Has spoken about. Brian Williams. There was a reporter, I think it was Martin Savage of CNN, asking the question about Brian Williams, what will happen to him? And Vic Reynolds had said something to the effect of, well, you know, we will continue to look into him and if we find that he needs to be arrested and we'll do the arrest, if there are more arrests that need to be made, we'll arrest him. Well, I I hope so. We need to keep pressuring that. We need to be the ones to do that. We cannot leave this to chance, even though, I've said to you that I have a bit more confidence in someone like Vic Reynolds and the GBI. We have to push the GBI. We have to get in the streets if we are down in that area of the country or if we are on social media or if we can call friends or if we can call politicians down there. The run with Maud website that's run R U N with W I T H Mord, Amazon Mike A U D dot com is the place that you should go to if you haven't already and make sure that you follow the directives there. The petition and also the phone call area where you can make phone calls to the relevant parties and politicians in order to keep the pressure on this prosecution. With all that is happening in this country and around the globe, it is imperative that this particular case does not just slip through the cracks. At any time, we can just turn around and be distracted by the next shiny object in the room. And at any time, there could be some other story that comes along that has a potential or the potential to eclipse this one. And it is imperative that we do not let that happen. In the midst of a pandemic, no less. I see this case taking a long time to turn out in the favor that we want it to, which obviously is a conviction of these two men and the third man who I think must be arrested. I wonder if the GBI and the Glynn County District Attorney are going to take a tact to utilize him, Brian Williams, that is, as a state's witness and give him some kind of plea deal to testify against the other two, the two McMichael members of their family. I I don't know if that's what's going to happen. There's still a long way to go. On the investigative end. I think this is going to take a lot more time than people would like. As the GBI has just really, these last 48 hours or so, begun to investigate. We have to keep the pressure on them. We have to keep the pressure on them. And we have to make sure that we are all heard on this. All of us must speak up. This was a cold-blooded execution in broad daylight. My concern is the evidence. It was over two months ago that it happened. Was there evidence collected at the scene at the time? Has that evidence been preserved? Was there any disruption or desecration of the evidence? And whose possession is that evidence? Has that evidence been properly documented and accounted for? Were there any eyewitnesses? Were there any people who have different video footage from what has been shared on social media? Is there any kind of audio taping that may have been done contemporaneous with the actual event? Has there been any attempt to procure any of those things? You get the point that I'm making. There are many, many questions to pose. And of course, answers that we still have yet to get. A couple of other things about this. One is when both of the McMichaels get attorneys, which I'm sure they will do. Will their attorneys advocate for bail? I think it's almost guaranteed that they will. It's almost guaranteed. As a lawyer myself, who in the earlier part of my career did only one or two cases in criminal law. I'm not a criminal lawyer by trade at all, but. In an internship, I had done some of that. And one of the things that was always asked for in the one or two cases, and it's just two cases I had experienced on the criminal law side, was seeking bail. That is what the defense attorneys would always look for. And usually it would be denied. But with these guys, who knows? These guys have ties to law enforcement. Gregory McMichael has ties to the very Glynn County District Attorney who's prosecuting this case. He was a member of their team as recently as just a few weeks or months ago. This is why I, again, think that the Glynn County District Attorney cannot possibly be the ones to prosecute this, that you need an independent special prosecutor to come in and do that. To the extent that they have those in Georgia. I am really troubled by that aspect of the case. And also. By the idea that these guys could be out on bail once they get lawyers. I don't know if that's going to happen though. I would hope that the judge whomever that judge. Might be will exit exercise maximum. Maximum discretion. And be judicious for lack of a better word in considering the options in front of him or her, whoever that judge might be, whoever they may be, that judge must look at the realities here is that we have a clear execution carried out in broad daylight captured by video. By two men with guns. In the cold light of day. There is no question about it in my mind. That these guys must be. Behind bars. And stay there. Throughout the entire duration of this case. They should not be allowed to. Set foot outside. They have already had two and a half months of freedom, living high off the dead body of Ahmad Aubrey, living high off the pain of Aubrey's mother, Wanda Cooper. Travis McMichael and Gregory McMichael have had more than enough time to enjoy freedom after they executed this young brother. And as far as I'm concerned, now that they are behind bars as of this date of this podcast episode, they should stay there. And make sure that whenever a grand jury convenes, they are still behind bars. And whenever the trial comes, they are still behind bars. And with our pressure, if and when a conviction comes, and for life in prison, that they serve every last single second of that sentence the coronavirus this
2: is their new hoax. we have it totally under control one day it's like a miracle it will disappear when you have 15 people and within a couple of days it's going to be down to close to zero we really think we've done a great job in keeping it down to a minimum i like this stuff i really get it We've done one hell of a job. Nobody's done the job that we've done. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Priorities USA Action is responsible for the content of this ad.
0: Welcome back. The ad that you just heard is one of the most effective ads against Donald Trump that anybody has put together in this election year. Priorities USA has done a really good job of putting together these ads that show you the absolute lack of any leadership at all and all of the damage that Donald Trump has done to the United States in just over three years in office. So Priorities USA, I think, is doing the right thing. And there are other organizations, including... The Republican organization, the Lincoln Project, Project Lincoln, that has put together some very effective ads, including an ad this week called Morning in America, which is really a variation on the Ronald Reagan ad of the same name during his campaigns for president in the 1980s. This one is especially effective from Project Lincoln, though, um, about Donald Trump. Very, very good ads. And you can find those on YouTube. You can go look them up and do search engine uh, searches on them. It's, It's incredible what you find. There's some very effective ads. And, of course, we've got to keep our eye on November the 3rd as the presidential election rolls around. I will continue to talk about voting and the importance of getting registered. I will also be doing... Some episodes coming up on voter suppression or what I call vote stealing and getting into just what is going on with that and the efforts that are underway as I speak, as you listen to this episode by Republicans all across the United States to absolutely steal votes from Democratic candidates. Whether it be in the state elections, whether it be Joe Biden or whomever the Democratic nominee is going to be, whether it be someone in the Senate who's a Democrat who's running or someone who is running to unseat a Republican senator. I will get into a lot of these different things over the next few weeks and on our need to educate ourselves and also what you can do to register to vote and what you have to do. To check your voter registration, and I would check it twice a month. I've already done an episode on this for this podcast of a few weeks ago, and you can go and look that up wherever you get your podcasts for The Politocrat. So that's one thing. Second thing is the job numbers for April a loss of 20.5 million jobs in the month of April. That is the worst since the Great Depression or what I call and what was and is the Republican Great Depression of the 1920s and early 1930s. So when you look at the month of April of this year and see that 20.5 million jobs were lost in the United States of America during the course of that one month. With an unemployment rate now at over 14.7%. Donald Trump is in big, deep doo-doo this November. Which is one of the reasons why the Republicans are working overtime to steal votes. Which is one of the reasons why Republicans are working overtime to make sure that more people die during this pandemic. Which is why Republican governors are rushing to reopen their states and reopen them in all the vulnerable places in particular. Nail salons, massage parlors, barbershops, all the frontline areas, movie theaters in Georgia and elsewhere. Because they want people who will vote against Republicans like themselves to die. This is how sick and psychopathic and sociopathic it gets. The Republican Party is a death cult and Donald Trump is a death cult. In fact, I write about this very issue, this very subject, in the Politocrat blog that I have. And you can find that blog at this address, politocrat.politics.blog. That is Politicrat, P-O-L-I-T-I-C-R-A-T. Dot politics dot blog, and there you will see the writing that I did, dated today, May the 8th, 2020. It's called The Death Cult Marches On. I think you will certainly appreciate, or at least, uh, hopefully, that put it this way, hopefully, what you read in that story I did resonates with you. Hopefully it does. Because I think that's where we are in this society right now called the United States of America. And I also provide a solution and provide an advocation for an alternative position, obviously to what we are seeing right now. So that really is... The story of the day is these job numbers, jobless numbers. A decline of over 20.5 million jobs. That is depression era. We are now in a second Republican Great Depression. And that is really the way we should be speaking about it. People call it a Trump Depression. Yes, I would call it a Trump Depression. There's no question about it. I would also call it the Republi- the second Republican Great Depression, or simply put, the Republican Great Depression. This is Trump, and it is not only Trump. It is all of these Republicans in power who have made these choices over the last 40 or 50 years to bring this economy to its knees, to steal as much as they could and still do, And make sure that they can steal while there is chaos. Such as right now in this pandemic. And in chaos people steal. In February of this year you had Republican senators. Like the senator from Georgia. Speaking of Georgia. We're speaking about Georgia a lot today. Kelly Loeffler. Who was installed in there in a special election. Who is the richest person in the Senate. In Congress period making money off of sales in advance of the news about this pandemic, knowing that this pandemic was what it was in February. She had been briefed in January and she had made sales in January and February of stock insider trading. Being briefed about this pandemic before most people in the country really knew how serious it was. There were murmurings, but they really didn't know. We really didn't know. Even though I'd heard about this in late December through Sky News in the UK, most people in this country had no idea about this pandemic and then didn't really get to start to know about it until the end of January. When Trump said, oh, well, it's just one person coming in from China. I just played you the ad. With his own words. And he had the nerve to try to sue Priorities USA. But Kelly Loeffler in the Senate, the Republican, and also Richard Burr, another Republican senator, made out like bandits ahead of this pandemic, as did, by the way, one Democrat, at least one Democrat in the Senate, Dianne Feinstein, here in California. And he had other Republicans, James Inhofe and others, making out like bandits. He had Jeff Bezos, Amazon, making out like a bandit, $4 billion of stock he sold. And you think it ended there? I'm sure there are probably many other rich and well-to-do people and many of them in the House and Senate, if not beyond that, maybe governor's houses, maybe municipalities who had leaders who took full advantage. We had leaders apparently tracking this virus in China since November. We know that Trump knew about this virus in November of last year as well. We've had health officials, including in Chicago, saying that there are cases of people in the United States who got this virus back in November, this coronavirus. We've heard about people in France getting it in December of last year. And they hadn't traveled to China or anywhere else. A lot still has to be known about this virus And there has to be a full inquiry and investigation on the Trump administration, on Donald Trump himself, and also on members of Congress in both parties and in both houses. As to whether or not they had any additional inside knowledge beyond the briefings, obviously they were being briefed, but how many other people were involved in selling stock during the month of January and February of this year? while these briefings especially in january during the impeachment sham trial were going on it remains to be seen what the answer to that question and other other questions is what a very very consequential week this has been and i hope that you are able to wade through all of this it's very difficult People are isolated. People are lonely. People have mental health challenges. We are being suffocated by all of this bad news out here. But it's real news. And it really is something to look at. There's been Al Gore on TV in the last 24 hours, the former vice president in this country assailing Donald Trump for such a horrible job that he's done and he has done a horrible job has Trump. We have Tara Reid in an interview with Megyn Kelly and lots and lots more that is to be digested here. So hold on to your horses but in your own life not even just with these events that I've been talking about in your own life. Hold on to your horses. If you have a roof over your head, be thankful. If you have food on your table, be thankful. Because there are so many in this country who do not. And if you have relatives, loved ones, family, partner, spouse, be thankful for them whether they are living with you under your roof and thankfully, hopefully are not violent towards you or whether they are living far away. Be thankful to them and be thankful for them because there are so many people in this country that you may not know of or you may know who aren't so fortunate, who do not have family members because of this virus or any other health situation. It is one of those things that is a reality and a really dire one. And when people say that we are all in this together, really think about whether or not that is a privileged statement or whether it is the truth. Because we cannot be all in this together when there are people walking around without a mask on. We cannot be all in this together when there are people screaming about wanting to be able to exercise constitutional rights to be free. We cannot all be in this together when those people are of one race and they are specifically white in overwhelming numbers and the people who are doing all the sacrificing or much of the sacrificing or the vast majority of it on the front lines in healthcare situations or in grocery shopping situations as people who work in there, or in people who are driving buses are black or brown people. That is not being all in this together. And when it is people who are dying at highly disproportionate rates to their population and to each other and to other groups of people, that is not being all in it together when you've got black and brown people dying at vastly higher rates than everybody else, than white people and everybody else, and you've got Native American people dying at these extraordinary disproportionate rates. We are not all in this together. We are in it very differently indeed, and very separately. Something to think about. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of The Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.